Welcome to California State of Mind from Cal Matters and Cap Radio. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Randall White, filling in this week for Nigel Tawara. So glad to have you on the show, Randall. And the recall election is almost upon us. Yeah, it's great to be here. And you're right, we're just days away as we record this. And obviously, that's what we're focusing on today with the election coming up on Tuesday. Uh, But first, I have to say, Californians, especially those in the North, still pretty glued to the fire situation. Though we have seen containment numbers come up quite a bit on both the Dixie Fire and Caldor fires. Yeah, and the Caldor fire did not make its way into the highly populated South Lake Tahoe proper, thankfully, as many Californians were fearing. But still, hundreds of properties were leveled by the blaze, and it's not fully contained yet. And the larger conversation around fire in California is continuing with peak fire season still upon us. What is our long-term solution here? What a question to ask. (laughs) Everybody wants to know. Um, One thing, though, I saw this week is that apparently wrapping your house in this foil blanket thing, so it looks like this giant baked potato, might actually help improve its chances of surviving a wildfire. It's kind of interesting. Like a roll out of the kitchen and you just like walk around the house wrapping it? No, it is not like 20 rolls of industrial Costco foil. And I don't know where you can get them, but they're a thing and you just like staple it all over the outside of your house and it looks like, you know, a foil wrapped cardboard box spaceship. Well, they talk about hardening the house. Yeah, I guess that works. You know, we need a lot of solutions and it sounds like that might be one. It's true. Well, it's also the end of the legislative session, and we're going to talk a lot more about all of that on next week's show. Since this episode is so focused on the recall, let's just do a quick refresher here. Over the summer, there were a few polls that showed registered voters going against the recall. But when those polls pulled out likely voters, it became a much closer contest, and Democrats sounded the alarm. Right. And since then, we've seen national Democrats come to Gavin Newsom's aid, including former President Barack Obama, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Vice President Kamala Harris, who was just here. And President Joe Biden is expected early next week to make an appearance in the state. And Randall, we have also seen a lot of ads lately. Hello, Californians. You've got a big choice to make by September 14th. Governor Newsom has spent the past year and a half protecting California communities. Now Republicans are trying to recall him from office. And over giant utility PG&E pled guilty to killing 84 people. Newsom paid $3 million taxpayer dollars to lawyers to protect PG&E. What's at stake in the September 14th recall? It's a matter of life and death. With Delta surging, Gavin Newsom is protecting California. Why are Californians uniting to vote yes to recall Gavin Newsom? We've lost jobs and businesses are leaving. The price of everything has gone up. Food and gas. So much dramatic music, but I guess that's the nature of campaign ads. I guess if you don't like that music, you can feel better to know that those ads will end soon. But of course, then we head into 2022 with a whole new slew of ads for that election cycle. Yes, ballot proposition ads my favorite. Well, let's bring in two reporters covering the recall and keeping an eye on some of the most pressing issues facing Californians right now. 
Emily Hoven writes the What Matters daily newsletter for Cal Matters, and Scott Rod covers state government and wildfires for CAP Radio. Scott, Emily, welcome back to California State of Mind. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on. So, Emily, let's start with you. Vice President Kamala Harris finally made it out to California this week. Um, I was there. She joined Newsom in the Bay Area to campaign against the recall with a crowd of Democratic and labor activists. You have also been reporting on sort of this string of campaign events that Newsom had in Southern California with some prominent national Democrats, including Senator Elizabeth Warren. Do you think that these kinds of events will do much for Newsom in these final days? It's one of those things where, you know, I think part of what it's doing is reminding people that there is this election going on um, and just kind of trying to boost morale, (laughs) get people to turn out. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of people that feel, you know, maybe not really listened to by people in Sacramento or who are kind of unsure about how to vote, I don't really think that's going to make a huge difference in how they decide to ultimately cast their ballot. Scott, you have spent a good part of this summer covering wildfires that have engulfed parts of Northern California, and you haven't seen much of Newsom on those reporting trips, even though the governor has made fire prevention, you know, a priority of his administration's goals. Do you think the recall has shifted his attention elsewhere? I still think he's paying attention to wildfires. Certainly, there are many of them burning in California. I think he's still paying attention to wildfire prevention. He's made that a big part of his push um, in budget negotiations. But I think he's been treading lightly in terms of talking about it with the press and to the public. Um, You know, we saw in, in earlier months in the year him talking a bit more openly about wildfires, wildfire response, leading up to fire season ramping up. We've seen much less of it now. And maybe that's surprising. Maybe that's not. We've had more than 2 million acres burned in California so far. And if people haven't been impacted by the flames, they've certainly been impacted by the smoke. So again, it may not be surprising, but he has been treading very lightly in terms of talking about it publicly. I mean, when it's bad news, it's not something you want to necessarily draw attention to when you're on the ballot, literally, as we speak. Um, And I doubt that politics was kind of the first thing on the minds of people who are evacuated. But you've been talking to those people. Are they thinking about the recall at all, as you've reported from those areas? It's come up occasionally. You're definitely right that when folks are evacuating from an area, when there's fire uh, threatening towns, threatening homes, people are most interested in getting out safely and ensuring that themselves, their family members, their pets, they're all you know, in a safe place. However, I have talked to some folks who have discussed the recall, who have discussed politics and Newsom's track record on these issues. One of them was Pam Savage. She evacuated from her home in a rural area outside of Colfax during the river fire earlier in August. And, you know, there's a lot at stake for her here. She actually said that she's considering leaving her home just because the fire threat is so great in her area. And so I asked her how she felt about Newsom's track record on this issue and about the recall itself. He hasn't done. What has he done? What has he done? It's all, I don't know. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating because he's not going to fix his fire thing. What's he going to do? Buy a couple more tankers? We've got no water. We've got forest fires that that are, uh, uh, 
and then what's his solution do what's he say oh yeah he'll get in front of the camera but he doesn't hire the right people to get it done it's all so messed up now you know to defend Newsom to, to, to an extent here, and, and it's worth noting, I did reach out to his office for an interview. They did not respond. Um, you know, he has set aside a tremendous amount of money in the current budget for wildfire prevention, uh, about a billion and a half dollars if you include some money that he carved out early in the, earlier in the year in addition to what's in the current budget. So that's a ton of money, so much so that there are questions about whether or not Cal Fire can actually get that much money out the door for fire prevention projects. So, you know, money has been allocated. I, I think a key point here, though, is, you know, just because money has been set aside, that's not an accomplishment in itself. You know, that's just the start. You still have to figure out how is that money going to be used? How are these projects going to get done? And at the end of the day, there's such a thing as a very expensive failure. And so having money there is one thing. Actually, putting it to good use is another thing. All good points. Um, so it was not quite as smoky in the Bay Area Wednesday for this campaign event going back to the Bay Area. In their closing arguments, Democrats are you know, really trying to tie this recall to national issues like voting rights and reproductive rights. We saw that when Kamala Harris came to visit. She talked about this new law in Texas that bans abortions after six weeks, and a law in Georgia from earlier this year that reduces access for voters. You know, they're really trying to make the argument that if the recall is successful, a Republican governor would try to get some laws like that passed here. This recall campaign is about California, and it's about a whole lot more. They're thinking that if they can get this done in California, they can go around the country and do this. And we also heard from a bunch of other statewide Democrats, um, Representative Barbara Lee, progressive East Bay Democrat, was there. She, I thought it was interesting. She repeated something we hear every single election, which is that, you know, this is the election. And yes, that's why this election is one of the most important of our lifetimes. And I know we all said that last year when we voted Donald Trump out of office. We said that then. But yes, the stakes here in California are just as high because Republicans have made California their next target. So Scott and Emily, either of you take this. Are the stakes really that high? Because we have another gubernatorial election just a year from now. You know, I think obviously this is more of a campaign strategy. It's a rhetorical strategy more than it probably is um, tied to reality. And I think you see this all the time in elections, right, where they're campaigning against the idea of something rather than the people that are actually in the recall. Um, so it's kind of been really interesting to see that going on. We will have much more with Scott and Emily coming right up. Stay tuned. It's California's State of Mind from CAP Radio and Cal Matters. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Randall White, filling in today for Nigel Duara. And today, we're focused on the recall election because, well, the deadline to get your ballots in is just days away. We're talking with reporters Scott Rod and Emily Hoven about the latest in the recall. And we're discussing whether persistent problems like wildfires and the unemployment fiasco could hurt Governor Newsom. Emily, one thing that you've written about is the state's ongoing 
uh, scandal with EDD, the unemployment division, and whether that might hurt Newsom in the recall. What are the issues that are really at play for these folks? And, and are they thinking about it as they get their ballots? Yeah, I mean, similar to Scott, I talked to some Democrats who now have sort of this their experience with trying to get these unemployment checks and just failing and, you know, spending up to 10 hours a day on the phone, um, having to go on food stamps for the first time. Um, experiences like that and, you know, kind of seeing the governor go up on TV and make proclamations that, you know, things are getting better, things are improving. Um, and then later in the pandemic, just not even really addressing EDD at all. That has soured um, a lot of people's views on the governor, even if they liked him before. And, you know, whether or not that block of people is going to be large enough to sway the outcome of the election is anyone's guess. And, you know, some people do not hold Newsom accountable for the unemployment department. They point out that, you know, it's had problems for a really long time and there's only so much he can do. But yeah, I think it's sort of that disconnect where you see the governor, you know, giving press conferences, giving out lottery money uh, to get back for getting vaccines, giving out stimulus checks. And then these people are sort of saying, well, why can't I get the money that I need to survive? And I want to work. I am a hardworking person, but I'm just I'm not able to get by. And I think that feeling of being at the mercy of a system that is so opaque and so difficult to understand, but what is actually supposed to be there to help you in your lowest moment. A lot of people just told me that loss of control that they felt, that feeling of utter desperation really made them want to see a change in leadership at the top. And although he has taken measures, you know, uh, somewhat behind the scenes with these fraud units that are going out and prosecuting people and different actions like that, I think people felt that he's kind of been avoiding the issue, kind of going back to the wildfire thing. I mean, sort of the same thing on that. Why highlight things that could be, you know, perceived as negative when you are trying to stay in office? It's worth pointing out here, too, that state lawmakers um, canceled two really important oversight hearings. One was going to be on EDD's progress on uh, recommendations from the state auditor on fraud and other things. And they also canceled a wildfire uh, prevention hearing that was, you know, based partially on Scott's reporting. So I think these two issues, EDD and wildfires, you know, those are some of his the weak spots in his armor, for sure. Yeah, I, I think the issue of the oversight hearings is very interesting. You know, these are two issues that are so top of mind for constituents, for folks in California, up and down the state. And there was a lot of frustration about about canceling these hearings, at least on the wildfire front. You had Democratic lawmakers saying, look, we're, we're in the middle of a tremendous fire season that's pulling on resources. So we don't want to pull top brass from Cal Fire from those fires and have them answer some of our tough questions. We'll just have to wait. Republican lawmakers said the fact that we're in such a major fire season is exactly the reason why we need this oversight hearing. We need to understand what's happening right now and what needs to be done so that ahead of next fire season, we could potentially be better prepared. Well, we've talked a little bit about Newsom and about his strategy of bringing out national Democrats. Emily, really quickly, has there been any big moves from Newsom's recall challengers this week? Anything unexpected during the last few days of campaigning here? Something that I think has been kind of interesting is we're seeing a lot of the, the top GOP candidates really do the church circuit and really make their cases to voters in religious settings, which kind of been an interesting dynamic to, to watch unfold. And that sort of goes back to the idea of like the power of endorsements from national figures versus, you know, local 
trusted messengers in the community. That's quite fascinating. You know, there was also an altercation um, in Southern California. Larry Elder was walking around Venice and was apparently accosted by a woman in a gorilla face mask. And, you know, she was throwing eggs and she slapped a person in the face. And uh, it, it's a kind of, for me, was a reminder, you know, these these events are intense. They bring out a lot of emotions and a lot of different people. And, um, you know, people feel very strongly about this election and about the people in it. And you kind of just really never know what's going to happen. Right. Well, if Newsom prevails in the recall election, what do we think happens to his challengers? Do you think any of them will challenge him for re-election, Scott? You know, I think some of them will fade from the political scene potentially and sort of just maybe enjoy their newfound platform in the various ways that that can manifest. But but some, I, I think, are absolutely sticking around. Some have committed themselves, you know, lifelong for poli- to politics. So whether that means they'll be on the ballot um, in the next election or just sort of advocating for whoever does challenge him. It remains to be seen. But for example, I don't foresee Kevin Kiley going anywhere. Um, Kevin Faulkner, um, I imagine, will also remain on the scene. Emily, what about Newsom and his political future? If he is voted out, what do you think that would mean for him and for the Democratic Party larger? Well, I think that would set off shockwaves in the party. I mean, I think if Newsom is voted out, then it raises the question of, okay, well, should he be the Democratic banner waiver in the 2022 election to be governor of California. On the one hand, they could make the case that or the person that replaced Newsom might have gotten you know, less votes than the amount of people who voted to keep Newsom in office. And you can make the argument that, OK, you know, there's still some support out there for Newsom. On the other hand, it would obviously be a risk. Um, and I think with the amount of attention this recall has generated in the, in the California press and the national media, I think you would probably see the Democratic Party try to push someone up else to take that that spot. It could be the lieutenant governor right now. Um, it could be another star, rising star in the California Democratic Party. So I do believe that it is pretty much a make or break moment for Newsom. And I think the fact that we're having this election at all has shocked a lot of people because they didn't think it would ever make it to the ballot. So, Nicole, there are obviously conflicting views on what this recall election is all about. Republicans say it's about accountability. And then Democrats say that Republicans are just looking for an easier way into the governor's office. Nicole, what would you say the closing arguments are on both sides? I mean, we talked a little bit with Scott and Emily about the sort of national issues at stake and tying it to these fights on abortion and voting rights. But one thing I would say about Gavin Newsom is that he's really running on his own pandemic record, you know, reminding Californians that we had the first statewide stay at home order way back in March 2020, talking about uh, the vaccine mandates for teachers and healthcare workers and pointing to numbers showing that compared to other states like Texas and Florida, our favorite rivals, we're doing a lot better with the Delta variant and hospital numbers. And then Republicans are talking about, you know, a lot of the same things that Newsom implements these rules and doesn't follow them like the French laundry thing and that he just really has not been accountable on these issues that Emily was talking about with the unemployment and wildfires. Well, we have a mostly mail-in election now, so we might get those numbers back pretty quickly. So we should find out in just a matter of days which tactic worked best. 
Right, the recall election is Tuesday, and next Friday's episode will be recapping all that we've learned in the wake of this election with some of the reporters who've been covering it for Cal Matters. And we're going to look at what happened to bills in the legislature with the session ending. In the meantime, if you have not voted yet, we've got you covered. If you want to learn about the candidates, go to calmatters.org. If you have questions about how to fill out your ballot or what happens after the recall, check out Cap Radio's voter guide at capradio.org. We also have a very popular misinformation guide to help you fact check some of the more outlandish claims made on the campaign trail, like claims about voting by mail. And that's California State of Mind for this week. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. And Nicole, it's been fun to fill in for two weeks. I hope everybody has a great week. And I know, Nicole, it'll be a busy one for you. I will try to stay caffeinated. California State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Matters and Cap Radio. It's produced by Jen Picard, Antonio Munez, and Chris Feltzer, engineers. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Mark Jones is the technical director. Chris Hagen is our digital editor. Margarita Noriega and Chris Bruno are our masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong. Nick Miller is editor at Cap Radio and Joe Barr is our chief of content. Dave Lusher is editor at Cal Matters. Our theme song is Melifera Ligustica by Isaac Joel. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You'll get notified every Friday of a new episode. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to California State of Mind. See you next week. Support for California State of Mind comes in part from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. 